Hi, my name's Becca and I'm from an organisation called Restored um, that works to change the story for survivors of domestic abuse and it does it by equipping the church to recognise and respond um, to domestic abuse when it sees it in its community and we run a network particularly for Christian women survivors of abuse, because we know that sometimes it can feel like people need to choose between their faith and their freedom. And we believe that you can have both. And so we work to help people navigate their way through the mess of surviving abuse and to come out the other side. And we do it. We've been changing the story for 10 years um, all around the world because we follow a God who is all about changing the story. Everywhere that Jesus went when he walked on earth, people had these encounters with him that changed their life forever. Everywhere. People's lives were never the same again. You see from fishermen who left behind boats and fishing nets to tax collectors who gave back all the money that they'd taken from people to women who discovered that perhaps they had a little more value than their culture had told them. Jesus changed everything. And it's one of those women, actually, that I want to introduce you to today. And in order to do that, there's three things that we need to understand before we get to the bulk of the story. You see, and one of those things is that culture that I was talking about. Because like today, we sometimes hear about women's rights and we, we hear about everyday sexism and things like that. And we might think that it all gets a little bit boring, or we might not, and I won't get into that right now. But if you go back 2000 years, it was on a whole different level. Like it was a totally different place. So women, you know, on many occasions, practically got sold by their families to the highest bidder for a bride price. Like they were kind of treated like objects, almost a little bit like just some of the cattle that, that people might have in the fields. And women couldn't give evidence in court, right? They were literally not trusted to give evidence. They weren't trusted, like their word wasn't seen as, as um, reliable enough. They weren't with it enough. And Jewish people, so this is the kind of, culture that we're talking about very specifically one of the prayers that got repeated day after day after day by Jewish men when they got out of bed in the morning was this thank you God that I'm not a dog fair enough or a slave also fair enough or a woman right imagine that women got put into those same camps as those two other things like being a woman at those times was not brilliant like you weren't valued you weren't trusted and actually you weren't necessarily desperately safe in the scheme of things so that was being a woman right so let's just hold that there okay so that's one thing that's important to understand the other thing that's important to understand is the place that this story takes place okay so this story happens in a place called Samaria which is like a region within Israel where all of this is going on but it's a part of Israel that is like the dodgy end of town now if you've ever heard of the story of the good Samaritan which most of us will have done at school at some point um, you'll know that Samaritans were kind of like the outcasts they were the people that nobody talked to they were the people that everybody walked on the other side of the road to rather than help and Samaritans came from Samaria Samaria Samaritan okay so that's where they come from so and that where this story takes place so this woman right is a Samaritan and she's a woman right? those, those two things are not going well for her already and then there's a third dimension to this story that is also important and that's the time of day which you know bear with me I'll explain so essentially what happens on this story is Jesus and his mates have decided they want to get from one side of the country to the other they've been in a spot of bother they're trying to get away to somewhere else and the the normally what would happen is that you know, people would walk all the way around Samaria rather than taint themselves by walk through it. But Jesus says, no, no, we're going to go straight through because actually he's got a bit of a mission to meet this woman, but he doesn't tell the others about it. But anyway, so they, they're walking through Samaria and it gets to lunchtime. So they arrive at this village 
they're tired, they're hungry and critically they're thirsty. And so Jesus sends the boy, sends his disciples, sends them into town to go and find some food. And he sits down by the well. He hasn't got anything to draw any water with. He hasn't got a rope. He hasn't got a bucket. So he just sits there, I guess, in the hope that somebody will turn up who can help him to have a drink. So that's what's going on with Jesus and his disciples. But what's really interesting there is that this woman then turns up. And that's interesting because actually it's unusual for a woman to turn up for a glass of water, you know, to, to gather water at lunchtime. And it might not seem unusual to us today. You know, I often in my lunch break, well, pre-COVID nowadays, I don't ever leave my own home. But pre-COVID, my lunch break, I often would walk down to the corner shop and grab a drink or a sandwich or something that was perfectly normal. But if you go back a couple of thousand years to hot Israel, like you didn't try and go out in the middle of the day because it was just too hot. And good women, bear that in mind, good women got up early in the morning just as the sun was rising in the cool of the day and they'd go and they'd take their jars and they'd fill them up with water at the well probably have a good old natto whilst they're there with all the other ladies and then they take the water back enough water for the rest of the day so that they don't have to go out and they can stay inside in the cool in the shade during the heat of the day so there's something about this woman turning up at lunchtime that's significant there's something about it because it means she's avoiding going at, at morning time. She's avoiding going when everyone else is going to be there. And, and, and there's a kind of suggestion that she doesn't really want to be around the other women. Maybe she's avoiding their looks. Maybe she's avoiding the conversations that they're having. Maybe she doesn't feel like she belongs. Maybe she knows if she goes, she's going to be ignored and she just can't bear it. So she goes, sneaks out almost in the light of day when she thinks she'll get to go there by herself and she won't bump in to anybody else. So let's pick up the story. It's in John chapter four, verse seven, and it goes like this. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, oh, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Like she knows she knows this is unusual. She's like, what are you doing? Like, you're meant to like be too good for me. You're not meant to even speak to me. Certainly not drink water that I've you know, drawn from a well. You know, most people think I pollute it just by being near it. But Jesus replies, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you a living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And this is where the question carries on, right? And the conversation begins to get a little bit weird. As Jesus replies, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water and then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. So I'm just going to stop the, 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 like the story just there because frankly it's getting a little bit confusing. What's all this water that they're talking about? Okay, right. Jesus often spoke in metaphors. Like obviously, like we know now that he's the Son of God, and you know, like God made man. So his brain is just like busting with all this knowledge that he's got, which people wouldn't possibly understand. So he spoke in the language of the day. He spoke in stories that people would understand. He's talked about sheep, and he talked about gardening, and he talked about like stuff people got. And then they go, and it's a little, you're a little bit like that. And that's what he's doing here. He's like, he's not talking about some mystical, magical liquid that if they tap into it, they'll never be thirsty again. He's saying. It's like a water that would make you never need more water again. He's saying, actually, this is about me. This is about me. I can give you something that will mean that you're always refreshed, that you're always sustained, 
that will wash away, like clear away all the mistakes you've ever made, the hurts you've experienced, the dirt of life that you've picked up along the way. That's what he's saying. Like it's this metaphor and he's referring to himself, referring to himself saying, you know, I can give you me. I can give you my spirit in you and it will do all those things for you. But it's fascinating because I don't think she really gets it because she's got something else in her head that is so big she can't see past it like she can't get beyond it and like and we kind of know that because of what her reply to him to that was because her reply wasn't oh that's amazing she, her reply is still about like normal water because she says oh i'll never be thirsty again and i won't have to come here to get water you see like coming here to get water is such a nightmare for her she hates it like the the strain and the stress of having to go out and get water. And it's not about the workload. It's about the event. It's about who she's going to bump into. It's about what they're going to say. And she can't see who Jesus is because all she can see is her issues and her stuff that's going on. And so Jesus goes straight at it because he wants her to be able to see who he really is. He wants her to, be able to get past the issues that seem so big in her life. And so he asks her this. He says, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. It says in verse 16, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You've certainly spoken the truth. Wow, can you even begin to imagine how that woman felt at that point? In fact, you can begin to imagine because her reply is this. Her reply is, sir, you must be a prophet. Like, like, how on earth do you know this stuff? You've hit the nail on the head. You absolutely know me. That's exactly who I am. Like, she's gobsmacked at how this man that she's just met knows everything about her. And it's important that we understand the significance of what we hear. Because when we hear that she's had five husbands and now she's living with another guy, like, it's easy to begin, like, we probably begin to have a bit of a mental image of what kind of a woman she is. But actually, it wouldn't even have been the kind of woman that we can imagine, because you might be imagining, I don't know, it's like something off the Kardashians, isn't it? Or like a reality TV show where it's Joan Collins or Katie Price, kind of depending on your generation, is the kind of woman that you're imagine, imagining. Maybe some kind of glamour pussy who's like discarding men along the way and just moving on to the next toy boy. Like that is not what's going on for this woman. You need to understand that, right? 2,000 years ago, women didn't get to discard men. Like that was not how that worked. Women couldn't divorce men. They could only be divorced by men. And what that means is that this woman had met and married five men. And it means that on five occasions, that was for five, <laughs> on five occasions, she wasn't enough. On five occasions, men had met her, taken her, gone, you're not good enough and discarded her. And then the next one and then the next one. And now finally, she's with a man who won't even marry her. He won't even give her her name. He won't even cover her shame with his name. That's who this woman is. That's why she's hiding from the other women in the morning. That's why she's coming to the well at lunchtime. That's why she cannot believe what this man has seen in her. And yet he still asked her to give him water and he still spoke to her like she's a decent human being. He still treated her with dignity and respect. You see, her culture told her that she was worthless because of all that had happened to her. But not Jesus. Not Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't walk through Samaria by accident. He didn't just stumble across that well. Everything Jesus ever did was on purpose. Like he didn't have accidents. He planned to meet that woman that day because she mattered to him. 
and because he valued her even though nobody else did and he wanted her to be able to see beyond the big issue in her life the big rejections the 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 you know the shame and the hurt and the pain of all those broken relationships all that not being good enough all of it and he wanted to better discover who he really was and we know that because of what happened next you see what happens next i'm going to paraphrase because it gets quite convoluted but essentially right this woman and Jesus get into this big conversation about theology like she's clever she knows her stuff and she starts talking to Jesus about you know well I know that Jews believe this and Samaritans believe that but the one thing that we both really agree on is that you know one day God's going to send a savior a messiah and that he'll come and he'll save the world and it will be amazing right so they have this really animated theological discussion and this is where it gets amazing in fact this is where it gets slightly insane because this is where Jesus says oh that messiah you're talking about that's me verse 26 he says I am the messiah it's me and it's extraordinary and it's extraordinary because you know wherever you are whether this is your first time listening to anything from the bible or not like we all know that Jesus said he was the son of God. We might not even believe it ourselves, but we know that that's who people think he is, right? He's the son of God. But again, go back 2000 years. People didn't know that. Jesus hadn't told anybody yet. He hadn't told his disciples. He hadn't told, he hadn't told the, the, like the, the leaders in the synagogue. He hadn't told the priests. He hadn't told anybody who he was. He was just going around it. He started gathering his disciples. He started gathering some mates. He started doing some miracles. He started telling stories all over the place, but he hadn't told anyone who he was this lady was the first person to hear the news that's extraordinary what a privilege like what an extraordinary crazy privilege and what a crazy plan of Jesus right if he was going to go on some big PR campaign like Donald Trump wouldn't go and tell the, the outcast lady would he but Jesus did Jesus did Jesus gave her that honor he gave her that value that's what he did and it transformed everything it changed her life it turned it upside down the bible tells us pick it up in verse 27 the bible says just then his disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman remember the culture of the time fortunately it says none of them had the nerve to ask what do you want with her or why are you talking to her because that would have been rude and then it says the woman left her water jar beside the well because frankly water was the least on her thing on her mind anymore and she ran back to the village telling everybody come and see the man who told me everything I ever did could he possibly be the messiah and it says that the people came streaming from the village to see him right and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see the difference in this woman's life, does it? You know, at the beginning of this story, she was hiding from everybody in the village. Like she'd snuck out at lunchtime when she knew everybody else would be eating their lunch in the cool of the cool of the day, you know, in the cool of the houses. She snuck down to the water, you know, and, and her plan had got foiled because she'd bumped into this guy. But she'd been hiding. But by the end of the story, she's knocking on the doors and she's calling them out and she's saying, come out here, I've got something you've got to hear. Like she's not scared of their whispers anymore because she's telling them what they're going to hear. It's extraordinary. You see, the beginning of the story, she was the talk of the town. She was the one they whispered about around the well by the water cooler. You know, she was the one. But by the end of it, she's going out and she's talking to the town. She's telling them something that she's desperate to share this news that she's heard. At the beginning of the story, she was an outcast. And by the end of the story, she's the centre of attention because she's the one who met the son of God. It's extraordinary. 
She was a cautionary tale. She was the kind of person that mums warned their kids about. If you carry on behaving like that, young lady, you'll end up like her. And by the end of it, she's almost a role model. She's the one who met Jesus. Don't you want to meet Jesus just like her? It's incredible. An encounter with Jesus is always always life-changing and it was life-changing then and it's life-changing now you see Jesus is unlikely to turn up by the water cooler nowadays but he will turn up where you least expect him he'll be in the conversations that you have he'll be in the dreams that you have he'll be in those little thoughts that you just can't quite get out of your head like he's there that's him talking to you up in the page of the bible and he's right there in front of you he's right here now talking to us through this through this whole service through everything that we're listening to and he's still waiting just like he waited for that lady to show up he's waiting for you to show up he's waiting for you to join the conversation he's waiting for you to ask the questions to find out more about who he is he's waiting for you to genuinely want to get to know him and he doesn't care about your past like he cares that you got hurt he cares that you carry it still he cares that you still got the scars he wants to fix that but it doesn't stop him loving you. It doesn't stop him giving you value. It doesn't stop him honouring you. It doesn't stop him having a plan for your future to bring you hope. It doesn't stop any of that. It doesn't stop him wanting you to know him. It doesn't stop him wanting to spend all of every day with you. It doesn't stop him from wanting to transform you into the person that he had in mind when he created you. Like Jesus wants to change your story too. And it is as easy as sitting a while and talking to him just like it was for that woman. Because he wants you to be able to put the things that are so big in your mind that they consume you. He wants you to be able to see past them. He wants you to know they're not the whole story, that there can be a different ending and that he will be part of your different ending. He wants you to know that he will be that living water that you need, that will be enough for you, that will refresh you, that it will sustain you, that it will see you through. It will see you through. He will see you through. And it's as simple as having a conversation with him. In fact, why don't we do that? I'm going to finish with a prayer. And you can pray it with me. You can echo the words in your own head. And by doing it, invite Jesus to spend some time with you, to be your living water, to be all that you need and to follow him from here on in. Dear Lord Jesus, we just want to say thank you. Thank you that you do know everything, that as much as we try to hide things from other people and as much as we try to, to keep things under wraps and quiet and perhaps even just avoid people, as much fear and as much shame as we might carry and as much hurt and as much pain, that you know it. You know it already and it doesn't stop you loving us. It doesn't stop all that you've already done for us. It doesn't stop you from sending that Messiah all those years ago, sending Jesus to come and rescue us. And so... Today in this place, we say, I choose to look away from the big things in my life, the big issues that consume me, and just to fix our eyes on you, to focus on you, on all that you've done for us, to say thank you, to say sorry for the times that we haven't looked at you, to say sorry for the times when we've messed up, when we've hurt people, and we've said things that we wish we hadn't. And that actually from this day forward, we choose to keep looking at you, to keep talking to you, to start following you, to see where you lead us, and to allow you to transform us and to change our story so that our story becomes part of your story as we step into the future. Amen. Take care.